This is absolute insanity. I can't believe they published this stuff. Three men, five headlines, no warning, no rules. It's a right angle lightning round. Hey, everybody. I'm Steve Green with Bill Whittle and Scott Ott. And as I said, this is a lightning round. I've got five headlines handpicked just for the three of us. And uh, Bill and Scott have have no clue what's coming. And that's that's just the way we like it here. All right, uh, Bill, we're going to open with you this week. Half of all infants in the U.S. are on WIC, uh, the special supplemental nutrition program for women, infants and children, which provides uh, uh, federal grants to states for supplemental food formula, <laughs> if you can still find formula uh, and nutrition education for low income, pregnant, breastfeeding and non breastfeeding postpartum women and infants and children up to the age of five. Um, Wixers, 53% of all infants born in the U.S., the USDA proudly states. Uh, that's a real third world number, isn't it? My first instinct is to say only half. Uh, look, there, there was a time, and I'm, I'm not old enough to remember it firsthand, but certainly my, my, my parents were where going on public assistance was an act of such great shame that you wouldn't do it. You you'd genu- honestly, seriously would rather eat out of a garbage can than take, than take uh, a handout and, and, and that. Now we're at the point where money means nothing. We have $30 trillion in debt plus. The government is just handing out checks to everybody and people are just taking them. The things, the things that we, the things that we are, the things that we should be ashamed of. There's a reason why people were ashamed to go on public assistance, right? And the reason was that that they would be perceived as lazy and perceived as not pulling their own weight. They'd be perceived as people who were taking advantage of other people. That's why so many people in, the, in that in the Greatest Generation wouldn't take public assistance in the middle of the depression. Right. Because it made them look bad. It made them look like people who were not doing their fair share for the society. I don't need you to pay for my dinner. I can pay for my own dinner. That's how it, that's how it works. And 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 uh, promiscuity used to be something that people were ashamed of and all these other things that people were ashamed of. They were ashamed of them for the right reasons. And they were ashamed of them because violating those norms would lead to a destructive society. And now half of all the children in America are, are raised by partially to, or to some degree by somebody else's money and no one's ashamed about it. And that's why it continues. And, and that's why we have this debt and this is why we have the inflation and this is why all of this stuff is going to hit the ground and not too softly, I don't think. Yep, everything that can't continue forever hey, will stop. Steve, can, oh, I, yes, can I throw something in yeah, there? Yeah, please. Um, it's, I mean, there are some factors that might contribute to this, and, and one of which is that uh, the wealthier you are, the less likely you are to have multiple children. So people who are better off financially have fewer children as a rule than people who are poorer for whatever reason. And, and attributing a reason really isn't my purpose of bringing this up. So yeah. wh- it's not like it's not necessarily half the families in the country have have children on WIC, but I'll bet you if you said, okay, uh, what is the percentage of mothers uh, that comprise that that can be attributed to those children who are on? Um, that's that's an excellent and, point. And then the other thing that you really can't measure, and this is a this is a challenge when you get to a lot of economic statistics. Um, it's not a, a fixed target; it's a snapshot. 
And so there are most people who are on assistance programs like that are passing through them. They're on and they're off. And then there's another group that's on and there's off. There is a subset of that group who are long-term, you know, either yeah, can't or won't get off of that. But for the most part, there are people who go through a tough spot. They lose a job. They're, you know, they're uh, one member of the couple loses a job. The, there's a divorce. There's something that happens. And so those people, for a short period of time, do what they need to do to make sure that their kid gets the health care and the food that they need. And then, then they're on again, off again of that. If there's going to be a federal program for this, I don't necessarily think that's a bad use of that federal program. I don't think the uh, federal government should be involved at all. Um, but but that said, I think that there's, a, there's an incentive for government people to encourage more people to use these programs, like the show we did last week where the government is hard yes. selling people to get on broadband internet access assistance. Uh, you know, that's in their interest to so, show how successful the program is by getting more people to sign up. Yeah, I wonder how many people, by the way, get, get a check and then say, well, you know what? We don't need this money anymore. Uh, let me call the government and, and have them uh, turn off my eligibility. Does that happen? <laughs> well, a lot of programs do have constant qualification processes. Like you can't stay on them forever without being proving that you're still in that situation. And and I'll bet it happens sometimes. But yeah, I mean, the average person who's who's getting a check from the government is probably loath to say, hey, no, we, don't, we really don't need that money anymore because we all think we always need extra money. <laughs> yeah. And the government just spent two years crushing the economy. So it's uh, creating yeah. its own culture of dependency there. All right, uh, Scott, let's go to you. A drag queen. Oh, I forgot to get the uh, the location on this one, but it was I from, don't know uh, anything about auto racing. I don't know if you should ask me this one. <laughs> I got this from uh, Libs of TikTok, who had a million followers on uh, Twitter a few weeks ago, thanks to being shut down by Twitter temporarily. Anyway, uh, charming video to totally abuse that word. A drag queen was crowned prom king in an Indiana high school. Oh, I did get the location. Uh, do you think he, she, whatever, uh, should sue for being misgendered by his, her, whatever classmates? They still do that, apparently. They still have a king and a queen. Yes. That's a, Obviously that's, doesn't mean very much anymore. And, and they gave yeah, and the king I'll, crown to a guy dressed as a girl. That's total misgendering. That's trauma. Well, until you just said that, I'll be honest with you. This whole thing, because I didn't grow up with this sort of understanding of of the options that were out there in the marketplace. <laughs> and um, when you said what you first said, I I could not have told you if you said, okay, quickly, uh, this person was born as a what? And I would have gone, ah, uh, ah, uh, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Um, I can never, like I saw a headline today, it said something like a transgender woman. I'm like, what does that mean? Is this person was a woman and then changed? Or was this a person who changed into a woman? I don't know what it means. <laughs> And, and frankly, there's a reason why I don't know what it means is because it's just, it's a fiction. It's something that people have made up to deal with what in some cases I think is a really serious mental challenge that people yeah. are facing that should be dealt with through, you know, some sort of uh, mental health measures. And in other cases, it's people who, as uh, I'll quote the congressman that I heard today, who was at a hearing, who... Uh, it was a person who saw, saw a video on Tic Tac. This is what the congressman said at this <laughs> hearing. Um, so, but anyway, for whatever the reason, um, I just don't think that there's a way to talk anymore about 
things that were so normal to talk about before, you know, boy meets girl, girl meets boy, they get married, they have children, and everybody knows what I just said. (laughs) All right. Uh, Bill, over to you. Twitter does not believe in free speech. That is an exact quote from one of uh, Twitter's censorship patrol people, their community standards, whatever organization with the company. Uh, Project Veritas, one of their undercover recordings, reveals Twitter engineers saying the platform censors the right but not the left and that everyone who works there is, and I quote, commie as F. But they didn't say F. France? This this video that you're watching now is, is we mentioned this just before we started rolling. We, we noticed that there's this 25, 30, 40% decrease in all of our videos that happened the same time overnight, and all of the numbers are down by the same percentage, which strikes me as un, uh, uh, unlikely. And this is the fifth time that this has happened since we've had uh, BillWhittle.com. It's the fifth time that somebody turned a wrench and decided who gets to watch these videos and who doesn't. Um, I mean this sincerely. I've said it many times before. If we get the bloodbath that I think we're going to get, uh, inflict the bloodbath that I think we're going to inflict, and I'm using the term rhetorically for those of you in media matters who are paying big money Thank to you. watch every word I say, um, the uh, the Democrats are going to get creamed. And by creamed, I mean defeated, uh, not literally creamed. Not turned I mean, into a know, delicious sauce that we put no, on No, no. Defeated in an electoral contest. Uh see what we're doing here we're joking about what we have to actually seriously consider this is this is what this is what the destruction of free speech does it's not the, the people people don't realize that the real problem by limiting free speech and and certainly the people at twitter understand this the actual harm is is not that you can't say what you believe the harm comes from you can't think what you believe. The harm comes from you censoring yourself before you even open your mouth. That's where the that's where the the, the pernicious damage from the assault on free speech is. And so these people, when this election rolls around and we have the kind of majorities I think we have, we need to go after big tech and we need to go after them immediately. I'd rather have big tech than the wall. I'd rather have big tech than, than defense. I'd rather, I, that's it. And, and, and just so we're all clear on this. Yes, YouTube is private property. Yes, we are on their private property. Yes, they can do with us as they please. And yes, we signed the uh, user agreements. However, they have legal protection as a carrier, meaning that since they don't editorialize, they simply provide a platform Therefore, they can't be sued and they can't have it both ways and they do. So either they stop censoring our shows or next time somebody posts a a review of, of a Disney movie, Disney can sue YouTube for copyright violation. You see how it works? So that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. There's no inconsistency here. And I just want to comfort our YouTube viewers. Uh, don't worry, YouTube is still tracking you. They're just not counting you. <laughs> oh, good. Just just the way I wanted it. Uh, Scott, we'll finish up with you here. Pfizer's COVID vaccine protection against Omicron fades just weeks after second and third doses study finds. Um, are you looking forward to those biweekly boosters from now, Alan? I'm just trying to remember which one I got. I don't think I got that one. Okay, good. I don't care. It doesn't affect me. 
No. <laughs> it's your warm you know, concern for all of mankind that I uh, while I am opposed in general to to people being forced to take medications that they don't want to take um on the other hand I actually am a fully vaccinated person and I'm okay with that and I don't care what you think of it uh so you know take a leap if you have an opinion that's not mine I don't care um but <laughs> I I think that in large part, scientists and pharmaceutical companies are doing the best they can to try to figure out how to cope with something that's really not easy to cope with. And so I don't, when they come out with announcements that they've got this, that, or the other thing, they're selling, you know, especially the politicians. The politicians are selling it. Um, I, I don't buy it at full value. You know, when, when the politicians say, oh, this is going to cure everything or whatever, I, I really don't think that's going to happen. So when it doesn't, happen. I'm not shocked. Like, I just don't put that much stock in what they say. So I'm not shocked when it doesn't have the lasting effect that they said it would, because I think the problem is if you're the politician, you don't want to stand up and go, hey, we got something that's uh, it's pretty good. Uh, we think it might have a shot at helping you, but maybe not. And so could you just please come and take it? <laughs> and nobody would. And so they think that that's worse then, you know, they think that, that being dishonest is, is better than being honest about it. Yeah. And at, at this point, everybody's going to get COVID. In fact, I, at this point, the only people I know that haven't gotten it yet are uh, my wife, my kids and me. Everybody else I know has had the thing and a lot of them more than once now. Um, oh, man, I hate to get uh, serious to close this, but I've got to. There's a Washington Post editorial that uh, was published on Tuesday, and uh, it was headlined, Russia is losing. That might make Putin more dangerous. And I thought, ooh, I, I want to read this. And it turns out in this, in this unsigned editorial, uh, they said that Russia's severely downgraded war goals appear to be aiming to take at most just uh, the, the tiny little sliver of the region that they already half occupied before the war. But even that, they say, might be beyond the capability of Russia's depleted, poorly led forces. And I thought, yes, yes, this is what I'm talking about. You don't back Putin into a corner. This is when you sit down and negotiate. And what they said at the Washington Post was now is not the time, therefore, to go for a negotiated ceasefire. <laughs> they want to beat Russia so badly. And keep in mind, I don't like people invading other countries. I think Russia should lose this war. But the Washington Post editors have taken the stand that uh, Russia needs to be beaten so thoroughly that uh, it, nothing bad can ever happen again. They basically want to play regime change chicken with a nuclear power. This is absolute insanity. I can't believe they published this stuff. And the only good thing I can say about it is that geeks like me are the only people who actually read the unsigned editorials of the Washington Post or any other newspaper in the world for that matter. All right, that was your lightning round. Thanks so much for watching. We'll see you next time.